0: Let's go to God in prayer as we uh, start, our, start our morning t- together and open up God's Word. Our Father and our God, we are grateful to you. Grateful to you for the many different ways in which you have shown your presence in our lives and, and the many different ways in which you uh, provide and care for your people. We're thankful for opportunities to come together amongst our brothers and sisters uh, to bring you worship, to bring you glory, but to also encourage and to edify one another. We're thankful for your Son and our Savior, uh, Jesus Christ, for his willingness to go to the cross and to give his life that we might have life and hope for life everlasting with you. Pray that you would watch over us as we leave this place, that you would protect our hearts and our spirits from from the world and the assaults that the evil one would put on us. Pray that we would be bold, that we would have the courage and the wisdom uh, to live the lives that you've called us to lead. And in these next moments, Father, as we open up your word, as, as we strive to learn more about who you are and who you have called us to be as your people. I pray that we would be still for a moment, that our hearts would be soft and our eyes would be open and our ears would be attentive as we seek to, to see the way your spirit would move and transform us through, through your word today. But let us not leave it here. As we leave this place, may we follow where you lead. May, be we, may we be mindful of your spirit and where you lead us on a daily basis and live with the kind of power that the cross enables us to live with. We thank you for Jesus and it's in his name we pray these things. Amen. Um, Blake, would you bring? Could you bring me the clicker? Should have brought it before. Uh, we are in uh, the third uh, series of lessons here called "I Believe," um, and if you haven't been with us for the first two. Uh, They are on the website. They're on YouTube. Thank you, sir. Uh, Week one was, I believe in God. Uh, Week number two was, I believe in Jesus. Um, Very, very basic, fundamental tenets of Christianity. And today we're going to look at, I believe in the crucifixion um, and what that means for us. If if you're not familiar with the series that we're in, what we're doing here is we're kind of going through the basic tenets of Christianity. Um, a lot of times we go through many things. We talk about many aspects of Christian life, uh, of faith, of, and, and we say these phrases very often. I can't tell you how many times I've said in my life, I believe in God. But I've said it so many times that I don't necessarily know exactly what I'm saying when I say I believe in God. And if you were to ask me, can you tell me what you believe? If, a, if an unchurched person were to come and say, what is it that you believe it would be really difficult for me to put into some concise words what it is that we believe as Christians. And so what we're doing is we're going through some basic things, the basic fundamentals, the basic tenets of Christianity, so that we can put in a concise way what it is that we believe. And in so doing, maybe we can open up further conversations with people that have those questions as we can efficiently describe what it is that our faith is based on. And to do that, we have to understand those basic things from the very beginning. And so when we talk about I believe in God, what are we saying when we say that? What, do I, what am I saying when I say I believe in Jesus? That's what we looked at the last couple of weeks. And today we're going to look at the crucifixion and how the crucifixion changes who we are as Christians, but also as how we live our lives, how that affects who we are in every aspect of our life. It's hard when you think about Jesus, the Son of God, uh, becoming man. It's hard to imagine Jesus suffering because I picture Jesus frequently as um, a superhero. Right? Like there is something about Jesus' life, about his example, about the things that he did and the choices that he made that are unattainable when it comes to my ability to follow and to imitate. We've even had uh, camps and things about, you know, Jesus is my superhero. And in one camp we had, we had Jesus across, you know, the front of the shirt. And the S in the middle of Jesus was the Superman logo. Um, It's not that we really thought Jesus was Superman. But what we do acknowledge is that Jesus is a hero. And sometimes we lose out on the fact that Jesus was human when we picture him as Superman. He wasn't Superman. He wasn't a superhero. He wasn't superhuman. He was divine. But he was also completely human. It's one of the things that we see in the crucifixion, that he endured death just like you and I do. But when we have this image of Jesus... Imitating Jesus can seem an impossible task, but we're not the only ones to have felt that way. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, and, and it seems as though they kind of had the same idea. I- imitating Jesus was not possible. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1, Paul tells them, Imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's what he says to the church in Corinth. He says, I'm going to do my best to be like Jesus, so if you think being like Jesus is unattainable, maybe you can strive to be like me, and I will do my best to model what it is to live like Jesus for you. Understanding what the crucifixion is, what Jesus went through, when we say, I believe in the crucifixion, one of the things we are truly saying is that I believe that Jesus was human, And that his death, his human death, meant something. Of course, his human death, we don't really know the the vastness of its meaning until Sunday, when the resurrection occurs. But the death of Jesus has a profound impact on who we are as Christians. So some of the things that we are including when we talk about I believe in the crucifixion, and this, the first one is this, is that Jesus suffered at the hands of Pontius Pilate. And that this was actually a fact. You can look through all kinds of stories, archaeological stories. Um, there are news articles from sources like the Washington Post. There are new sources from the UK, from all over the world, and from all throughout time, as recently as that, and as far back as Irenaeus, and other of the early church fathers in the 2nd and 3rd centuries. You can see them in, in cultures like Rome and Greece, not just in our own heritage. And they acknowledge that Pilate was a real person, a real ruler, a real man, with real power, who in very real ways put Jesus on trial. An article, article in the Washington Post from about three years ago says they believe they found the place of Jesus' trial, where Pontius Pilate held Jesus, and where the crowds gathered and yelled, Crucify Him! So there's this acknowledgement that this was a historical fact. But the suffering that Jesus endured by the hands of Pilate bring to us this very real sense of the very human nature of our Savior, Jesus. Uh, Let's read Mark chapter 15. Um, A little lengthy, but bear with me because we're going to read about 20 verses here of the Gospel of Mark. But it is one of the defining moments of, of our faith. Week after week, After week, we gather on the first day of the week. And while there are many things that we do here that are very, very important, there is very little that trumps the importance of what we do when we edify one another as we gather around this table and commemorate the sacrifice of our Savior. The sacrifice that He gave with His life on the cross of Calvary. So in a very real sense, the crucifixion defines our gathering because it's the central focus of why we come. To remember what he gave that we might have life. Chapter 15, verse 1, it says, As as soon as it was morning, the chief priests had a meeting with the elders, scribes, and the whole Sanhedrin. And after tying Jesus up, they led him away and handed him over to Pilate. So Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered, you have said, it is so. And the chief priest began to accuse him of many things. And then Pilate questioned him again, are you not answering anything? Look how many things they are accusing you of. But Jesus still did not answer. And so Pilate was amazed. At the festival, it was Pilate's custom to release for the people a prisoner that they requested. And there was one named Barabbas who was in prison with rebels who had committed murder during the rebellion. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do for them as was his custom. And so Pilate answered them, Do you want me to release the king of the Jews for you? For he knew it was because of envy that the chief priest had handed him over. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd so that he would release Barabbas to them instead. And Pilate asked him, Then what do you want me to do with the one you call the king of the Jews? And they shouted, Crucify him! And Pilate said to them, What wrong has he done? But they shouted, Crucify him all the more. And then, willing to gratify the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. And after having Jesus flogged, he handed him over to be crucified. And then the soldiers led him away into the courtyard, that is, the headquarters, and he called the whole company together. They dressed him in a purple robe, twisted together a crown of thorns, and they put it on him. And they began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews! And they kept hitting him on the head with homage, or with a reed, and spitting on him, and getting down on their knees, they were paying him homage. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of his purple robe, they put his clothes on him, and they led him out to be crucified. Our Savior suffered at the hands of Pilate. A very real and physical suffering that He endured that illustrates to us the fact that not only was this man, this Savior, this Messiah, God in the flesh, but He was in the flesh. That He did walk on this earth in the exact same way that you and I walk, with one exception, and that is He conquered every temptation. He felt the same pain, He felt the same agony, He felt the same emotion. He's been through the things that we have been through, and he gave himself up on the cross, not in a supernatural way, but in a beautiful, perfect act of self-sacrifice. And so it's really typical, if you will, for many non-Christians to say, why in the world Did God have to crucify his son? It makes no sense. The crucifixion makes no sense. Why did Jesus have to die? Why couldn't God just forgive? And that's the crux of the matter for us and for the early church. In Colossians he says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved it is the power of God. Because until we understand forgiveness, it doesn't make sense. Because here's the thing, without suffering, there really is no forgiveness. We can't have forgiveness without suffering. I mean, can you imagine, what if we really could just forgive and forget? I I mean, I love the saying and I love the sentiment, but look, For us as humans, it's just not possible. God has the ability to forgive and forget, but it is not because he has the ability to forget and not suffer because the suffering has already been done. And when I have been wronged, how easy is it for me to just say, "Ah, you know what, you hurt me real bad, but that's okay, i just forgive you. And it's all done. I don't hurt anymore. I don't feel the same sting of betrayal because I've been wronged. still hurts it still stings the bruises and the scars still show the weakness and the grief is still there even when forgiveness comes in fact if we aren't suffering have we really anything to forgive for we really have two options when we've been wronged I can make you suffer or I can choose to suffer and bring about forgiveness. I can choose to get, to get even and to get revenge so that you have the same kind of hurt that I have had. Or I can take that on myself and offer you forgiveness and, and, and bear that suffering for myself. Jesus bore this, the cross, the suffering, the, the agony that he went through so that you and I wouldn't have to go through that same kind of thing when it comes to our relationship with God. And if we can't forgive without suffering, imagine how much greater the suffering of God had to have been when he sacrificed his son on the cross of Calvary. We see the suffering that Jesus went through in the garden As as he is praying for this moment to come, we see the agony that he is in, in the anticipation. And the physical pain is one thing, but on the cross, when he cries out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That of all things, the physical suffering was but a drop in the bucket to what he suffered when he saw the back of God that you and I might not have to when we choose to live In Him. In the crucifixion, we see God forgiving us. And forgiveness is only possible through the avenue of suffering. And on the cross, God's love satisfied his his own justice through suffering, through bearing the penalty for sin. There is never forgiveness without suffering. And in Jesus it came through nails, it came through thorns, it came through sweat. It came through blood. It came through tears. Forgiveness brings suffering. Isaiah describes prophetically the role the suffering servant would play. That is Jesus, the Messiah. And this is 700 years before Jesus would come to this earth. He says in Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5, Yet He Himself bore our sickness and He carried our pains But we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our transgressions, crushed because of our iniquities. The punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. We are healed by his wounds. See, the mission of the suffering servant was completed on the cross of Calvary. That Jesus came to do many things on this earth. He came to fulfill scripture. He came to fulfill prophecy. He came to preach and teach and reach the lost. He came to heal the lame, the blind, the sick. He came to raise the dead. But of all things he came to do, this was the culminating factor of the mission of God, of Jesus, our Savior and our Redeemer, is to make the walk to the cross and to be sacrificed as the perfect lamb to once and for all fulfill the penalty of the sin of the world. The resurrection is a bonus. (laughs) The resurrection is icing on the cake, but it is the death of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus that he came for. It's the death of Jesus that brings about the forgiveness of sins. It is through his resurrection that we enjoy that forgiveness forever. But it is through the cross that we receive salvation. The whole reason He came was so that He would make that walk and be nailed to the tree and to endure the punishment that was due for you and due for me so that we might have hope. Let's continue on here in Mark chapter 15. Let's go to verse 33. And when it was noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at at three, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, Look, he's calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, fixed it on a reed, and offered him a drink and said, Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. But Jesus let out a loud cry. And breathed his last. And the curtain of the sanctuary was split in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who was standing opposite him saw the way that he breathed his last, he said, This man really was God's son. And there were also women looking on from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger, and of Joseph and Salome. When he was in Galilee, they would follow him and help him, and many other women had come up with him to Jerusalem. The death of Jesus brings a different kind of power, a different kind of hope, a different kind of peace. When we say, I believe in the crucifixion, we are saying, I believe that he suffered at the hands of Pilate. That His mission was made complete on the cross. And and that Jesus, like every other human, was buried in a tomb. Right? We see the humanity of Jesus. We see it throughout this story. And and we see that just like you and I, there's a burial. And there are people who are there who see Him die, who see Him move on. and, And just like They would expect. They go and they take his body and they put him in a tomb and they prepare his body with spices. Why did they prepare Jesus' body with spices? Why did they wrap it in linen? Why did they do those things? They did it because Jesus was a man. And that's what you do to men who have died. Verse 42. When it was already evening, because it was Preparation Day, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the Sanhedrin who was himself looking forward to the kingdom of God, came and boldly went in to Pilate, asked for Jesus' body. And Pilate was surprised that he was already dead, and summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he had already died. And when he found out from the centurion, he gave the corpse to Joseph. And after he bought some fine linen, he took him down and wrapped him in linen, And then he placed him in a tomb, cut out of the rock, and rolled a stone against the entrance. Our son, or God's son, our Savior, suffered at the hands of Pilate. Endured the kind of physical punishment his body bled. His body became weak, so weak that he couldn't carry the cross. and They had to call someone out of the crowd to finish carrying the cross for him. He was crucified on the cross of Calvary. Buried in a tomb. These these things are important because, as we've mentioned before, without suffering there is no forgiveness. And it is through the cross that we receive forgiveness. And we also see the humanity of Jesus. That it is a life that we can emulate. That it is a path that we can follow to the same degree. Probably not, but it is an attempt that we can make. It is something that we are to strive to do. To be like our Savior. We see how far God is willing to come for His people. The self-sacrificial love that He is willing to endure by giving himself up to death and to spiritual separation from the Father on the cross of Calvary. And Jesus suffered as a man, ultimately taking on his own body the consequences of our sin when he died on the cross, paving the way for forgiveness. The crucifixion is a key aspect of our Christianity. It is a key aspect of our faith. It is just as crucial as a belief in God and a belief in Jesus because without the cross, we don't have a hope for forgiveness. Without the cross, we're still sacrificing bulls and goats on an altar somewhere. Without the cross, there is still this great separation that exists between us and God. There is still this go-between that we have to have before we can approach the throne. that image of the curtain standing between the Holy of Holies and the common people being ripped into from top to bottom, that at the death of Jesus, it is finished, is finished—is cried out. And the one thing that separated God from His people is removed. There's power in that image. There's love in that image. There's closeness in that event. And we see that phrase tetelestai. It is finished. It comes about in three different places in Scripture. At the end of creation, it's not tetelestai, that's a Greek and old testament it's written in Hebrew, but that phrase it is done. It is finished when God completes creation. And he looks on creation and he says, It is finished. And in Revelation, the end of the book of Revelation, we see the Holy One look, and as the New Jerusalem is coming, he declares, It is finished, and he claims victory for final, or a final victory over sin and over death as the New Heavens and the New Jerusalem are lowered down. And so at the very beginning, of creation, we see God saying, it is finished. At the very end, when the new creation comes, we see the Savior saying, it is finished. And here on the cross, before Jesus gives up his last, he says those words. Tetelestai. It is finished. The mission of Jesus is complete on the cross. God will offer us more in his resurrection, but the mission of Jesus is complete on the cross. Because in the cross we have forgiveness. And the suffering servant gave of himself that we might have life. and that we might have it abundantly. I don't know where you are in your life, where you are in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you've been on a path with God and with Christ for a while, and you need help finding your way back to a path that you know is right. Or maybe you've never begun a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've never been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, that stamp, that seal of God's ownership on your life. If there's any way the church can be of assistance to you this morning, you can make it known at this time as we stand.